Well, welcome to episode 67 of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast. It's been a couple of weeks uh, since we last spoke, Daz, and uh, gee, not much has happened in the NBA since we last spoke. It's been pretty boring, hasn't it? Pretty quiet, yeah, as predicted. Yeah, as predicted. Um, They've only had the, the big Jimmy Butler trade and the, and the blow-up in... Uh, in Golden State, and the, probably the biggest shock of the season so far, uh, the Washington Wizards are going completely off the rails. Jeez, who could have seen that coming? So yeah, it has been a uh, it's been a fascinating week. I was just doing some tallies with the, you know, just having a quick glance at the standings and trying to take stock stock of the league, where there's you know there's never a dull moment. But for for me, I guess we, we'll get into it a bit. But you know, I think the they got some injuries dealing with now. Curry's been out for a while. A little bit of the, you know, bickering going on, which we'll get into in Golden State. But I think that's, uh, you know, before before uh, Steph went down, they were playing, player playing terrific basketball. They've lost a bunch of games. Yeah. Um, but I think if we were to take a zoom out, it's still Golden State, in their own tier. Um, and I I would dare to venture that perhaps the, the second and third best teams in the NBA might just be, in the East, which is going to make this a and then probably number three through number nine is all in the Western Conference. So it's been an interesting shift here after 16, 17, 18 games, whatever it is for the teams that, uh, you know, it's, the West is kind of what we thought it was, although that second tier has, hasn't really separated itself yet. So it's um, been a fascinating first. Well, first yeah, month. the West is definitely very deep. I mean, you've got Minnesota a second last in the conference, and they're certainly still well and truly in the playoff race. And I think, obviously, Sacramento have, have surprised a number of people the way they've started the season. So we're going to get to our surprise teams a bit later on. We'll probably talk about Sacramento a little bit in that part, although we did touch on them last pod as well. So maybe just briefly on Sacramento today, but they've continued to impress uh, to this season so far. Let's cover a little bit of news off first, though, Daz, and obviously the big news that broke. And I don't mind the fact that we've now had a a week or so since the Jimmy Butler trade because we've now had a chance to see Philadelphia and how they look uh, since Jimmy Butler entered the lineup. And we'll touch a little bit on the Minnesota side of things as well. But uh, have you seen... I mean, I'll give you my quick take. I've, I've seen... Philadelphia a couple of games so far um, Jimmy Butler's sort of taking a little bit of a back seat to this point he's playing a lot more off ball which I think was probably uh, to be expected at that point once once he entered that team but I don't think this team and we're just being off air about this I don't think this team's finished rounding out this roster yet and I think there's one more move to come and I think it's pretty obvious at this stage who that who the player in the crosshair is going to be. The question is how much value does Mark L. Fultz, who I'm obviously referring to, have at this stage. But what have you made of, of what you've seen of Philly and the early returns of the Jimmy Butler trade and where do you think they go from here? Macro level, they are what I thought they would be. Right, I If you go back and listen... You know, I was said this is going to be a massive transition year for Philadelphia, that they were going to take a step back before they could take a step forward. And I, did I know it would take exactly the shape of Jimmy Butler? Of course not. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. But just from the perspective of what we talked about, right, it was the imperfect fit between Simmons and Embiid full stop. And right, the, the fact that Simmons hasn't developed a jumper, and we knew that dynamic between Fultz and, and Simmons was going to take time to um, to kind of evolve and play off each other and well that's not going to be a problem so much anymore. But I mean to this point to that um, point does does this change the timetable of, of this team now you do your Jimmy Butler trade? I mean can it can it still be a transition year or does it now 
chips are on the table, we need to try and go for a title? Well, that's a good question. But, I, again, it's a little bit not quite Carmelo to the Knicks, but we're already seeing, right, that uh, Markel Fultz just the last 24 hours, he couldn't even make the court against a pathetic Phoenix Suns team, literally. He played seven minutes, missed two shots, committed three fouls, came into the turnover, and benched, got benched for TJ McConnell. So in two week, in, in about three days' time, he's gone from nominal starter to try and boost his confidence to you know a bench player with the arrival of Butler. Do he's lost um, time to TJ McConnell, and all also the while sprinkled in there, clutching free throws. So right, that that's that is a as a sad a sad story. The whole thing is just sad for this kid. So there there's that aspect to it, but. Um, look, this is also the luckiest team in the NBA right now. They've won four games by one one possession, Daz. Mm. They're basically a net neutral um, in terms of um, point differential this season. I mean, squeaking out victories here against Charlotte and well, twice Phoenix against in the Charlotte, General Butler era. Twice against Charlotte, that's right. Um, squeaking out, um, you know, victories uh, you know, earlier in the season as well. They've they played Charlotte three times already, have they? Anyway, so they've been squeaking out victories. Yeah, Charlotte, 122-119, and 105-103. <laughs> so three games they've won by a combined six points. Yeah, that's right, against against Charlotte. So tough luck, tough luck, Kemba. So your question was, does it change their timeline? Not for me. Like this for me was always going to be a longer build. Um, this way, uh, to get Simmons and Embiid right, now it's a completely different calculus. Now you've got Jimmy Butler will he remain long term all signs look like they're from pushing to probably um, but all kinds of things can happen so if I'm in Jimmy Butler's camp boy you finally have leverage don't you where um, he's they just traded Covington and Saric really the aside from JJ Redick they're only two um, shooters in the starting lineup reliable shooters in the starting lineup although Saric is off to a, a rough start so they've, de- they've depleted their, their depth with faults falling away and, you know, basically doing the two-for-one for Jimmy. And there's only one ball to share, Daz. So I think this is a really, really hard um, – this is going to test Brett Brown, from especially on the offensive end, is how is he going to try and get these pieces to fit. It's really clogged. Joel Embiid is, a, is not nearly as good a shooter, a shooter as, he, as he thinks he is from deep. And he's not the guy you want spacing hmm. the floor anyhow. Simmons hasn't even hasn't, – hasn't attended a single three-pointer the whole season. Uh, hasn't really shown any marked um, improvement since last year. It's not a criticism, right? He's a young guy, but he hasn't really shown much. So it hasn't changed the timeline for me. Has it changed the expectations in the fan base of Philadelphia? Probably, probably stroke certainly. Certainly it has, right? They think probably higher of this team than a lot of us. But there's a lot of moving pieces going on here, Daz. Wow. Lost some depth. McConnell taking over Fultz. What do they do with Fultz? Are they going to... Pick up his option. Are they going to bench him? Are they going to send him to the G League? Are they going to try and dump him for a, you know, for something that's more? Are they going to dump him for a, you know, a thirty-year, thirty-year-old guy who can at least play some minutes? You know, that they got all kinds of questions swirling down. So I think I think they're silly if they're in the mode of trying to double down, get a whole bunch of buyout candidates, and and make a run. I think that's silly. I think they've got to get a philosophy reestablished and an identity reestablished on the court. And my last point after my rant and see where you want to take this is that, you know, I've been going on since just about the first month of seeing Ben Simmons play NBA basketball going, wow, 
this guy could be something really special. And but but having this team be Joel Embiid's team, well, whose team is it going to be now? With another alpha of alphas, Jimmy Butler, and you know, alpha dog Joel Embiid. So on court product aside, is who's going to own that locker room? Is this going to be simpatico harmony, and they play off each other, and you know they 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 challenge each other and raise each other up, or is it going to be uh, you know fighting for the ball, fighting for crunch time, attention? Um, you know, uh, how are they going to play with the um, with the staggering often on the court? There's a whole bunch of questions, Daz. So what do I make yeah. of Philadelphia? It's tons and tons of questions and a fascinating chemistry experience. And we need, we need several, I think, many months to kind of get, let's see what Brown can do with it. Well, I think the early returns have been pretty good. I mean, it, from the point of view of, I've seen them in, in, in three of those class games. I think one of the games, Embiid hit a big shot down the stretch. Another one, Simmons took over and hit a couple of big shots down the stretch. And, of course, Jimmy Butler hit the big three against Charlotte. So they've, they've sort of each taken their turns. And Butler seems to have fitted in in terms of who's the alpha, or whose team this is. He's not imposing his will in that sense just yet. Um, and him and Embiid have, have certainly um, you know, sort of taken a your turn, my turn approach in terms of who takes over the game and who, whose turn it is. When the big games come at the end of the year, that's where it is going to be interesting. But the, the word coming out of Philly is they wanted Jimmy Butler as their closer this is the guy they want to be taking the big shots in those games. So whether that's how it plays out or not, I'm not sure. I just, going I, yeah, and I think if you look at the point differential, I don't, I don't know about the early returns, Daz. I go, this team that was got blown out by the Celtics in opening night, oh, I they got blown in, out by in the terms of crunch They got time. blown out by the Raptors. Yeah, yeah, I was okay. talking I mean, more in terms of the the, the crunch the time and the Hornets and the in the heat. And, we didn't, we haven't you know, seen the, that sort of combustible, um, the, the term combust yeah. at crunch time. And one and and Bird say, well, it's, you know, I'm just they did against the, the Magic, but that was uh, that's they did they crumbled against the Magic, right? Well, that we was saw terrible. That they were twenty one zero run to the Magic in in the fourth quarter. That's right, which is just so inexcusable, but. And so that's a bit of their old their old habits rearing their head. But I well, guess I think the number of times too. Just quickly on that, Brown needs to mm-hmm. be much quicker in terms of his reactions. He I've does. seen too many times this team just get stuck in the mud, and other teams go on big runs. And Brett Brown, he has his certain times when he takes guys in and out of the games, and he doesn't seem to change that no matter what's happening. And it's like when they were on that twenty-one A run, he needed the bench and boot. Because Embiid was just trying to get it back every single play, and they just they kept turning the ball over, putting up bad shots. It was just like get someone in the game that's going to run an offensive set to actually get you an easy bucket. And it wasn't until Embiid actually went off in that game, and they actually came back and took the lead again from Orlando, and then he brought Embiid back on, and they eventually lost the game. Now I'm not suggesting he should have left Embiid on the bench necessarily. But it does show, I think he could have gone to, to that, that sort of bench move much earlier than what he did um, in that game yeah, in particular. Yeah, that's a fair comment. I, go, I, th- I, think, I think, I genuinely think this team is at risk of coming apart at the seams. Because lost in all this, right, is that they ran Sam Hinkie out of town. Um, the sycophant Colangelos came in and had right the burner account craziness going on the gm role went unfilled for a long time and now mr nice guy ambassador um right by all measures a, a great human being elton brand but not exactly a right a uh, uh a modern age uh, analytical uh 
you know, creative leader running the GM ship here. So I go, you also have that happening. So part of me wonders who is actually making the decision on Markel Fultz, you know, playing um, an average of 23 minutes a game when he did nothing to deserve it and nothing to earn it. When we saw last year um, that TJ McConnell had done, especially in the playoffs is a guy who is a very competent backup NBA point guard who can facilitate and, and make, and get the ball in the right spot. So I go, who was making that decision? I don't know. And secondarily, if that was Brett Brown making that decision, what, what credibility does Brett now have in the locker room where now Markel Fultz has uh, gone from starting into third string? And I go, I, I don't know, but I think with Elton Brand getting new, who was making the calls about development? Um, how are these minutes going to get staggered? What are they going to do with Markel? I think that's almost as likely this team comes apart at the seams um, almost the way we're sadly starting to see happening in, in Sacramento, just as it is to get back on track, Jimmy and Embiid, you know, go all alpha, J.J. Redick, who I, I don't know if I've ever seen an NBA player dance. Have you seen an NBA player get better and better and better with age? He's like 34 years old, Daz, and he's more efficient. He still hasn't. He's just absolutely tireless. And, oops, Daz too loud, getting my door closed on me. Right, he's just getting better and better with age. Uh, if Jimmy, if JJ Redick hadn't had, wasn't having a career season, Daz, I, 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 I terrified to think where this team would be. Yeah, no, but Redick certainly. I mean, when you look at the, you when you look at the fact that he came from Orlando originally, he was nowhere near this player, and he was at the Bucks as well. Uh, he's been, he's sort of bounced around the league a bit, and obviously he didn't really hit his straps until he went to the Clippers, and he's gotten even better uh, since he left LA and gone to Philadelphia. So, and Wilson Chandler's actually been playing okay for them. He's on a minutes restriction as well. If they can continue to get good, good um, production out of Wilson Chandler, maybe that raises their ceiling a little bit as well. I still feel like Fultz has some value out there in turn, particularly if you get a desperate franchise like, and let's let's move to the next team that's been in the news is the Washington Wizards. And as I threw our trade out to you uh, before we started, and what, let's talk about this one a little bit because it involves also the New Orleans Pelicans. And, and the reason I bring this up is there's a there's a stories coming out of Washington now. These players just can't stand each other. They don't want to play together. And basically the entire roster <laughs> is available for trade. And I looked at the team like New Orleans, and I sort of got the idea from a Ringer article, uh, which may have been Kevin O'Connor this morning, but uh, where they sort of talked about trade ideas for the Washington Wizards. And I thought... New Orleans did sort of fit that narrative because they can offer the Supermax to Anthony Davis at the end of this year. The way they're set up at the moment is I think they're going to be a very good team, but they're probably going to top out at the second round of the playoffs again. Maybe they could make the the Western Conference finals, but they're not going to be any better than that. I think they need to have a big roll of the dice and a swing for the fences. And to me, trading for a John Wall, if you could pull it off, would be the way to do that. So I had uh, Markel Fultz, Frank Jackson and Wes Johnson plus a draft pick and maybe even you could throw in the Miami draft pick that uh, Philly have. So you've got two draft picks, one from New Orleans, one from Philly going back to Washington. John Wall goes over to the Pelicans and Miritich goes to Philly. Now Miritich is a perfect fit there. That's a stretch for maybe Fultz can rehabilitate himself. I think at this stage in Fultz, he really needs to be a point guard and just have the ball in his hands. 
and dictate what's happening. I don't think he can play off ball. We're seeing that quite a bit in Philly. Um, when he the the flashes he has shown in Philly has been when he's been running the point and when he's been on the ball. I didn't watch the game today against Phoenix. I can only imagine uh, how bad it might have been. But I I feel like there's still a chance to resurrect his game, but it's not going to happen in Philadelphia. And if you pull that trade up for Washington, you've got a couple of draft picks. You clean up your capture a bit. You've got some hope to sell the franchise going forward. And John Wall, who really must have stayed at his, overstayed his welcome by now in Washington, the way he's played, conducted himself this year. Uh, my, my birds in the background giving their opinion as well, Daz, on the John Wall situation. Um, but the way things have gone in Washington, I, I can't see how they can continue on. And, have, and John Wall, to me, is the logical guy to move, if you can move him. Given that his contract this year is nineteen million, that jumps up to above thirty million. At the end of his contract, he's going to be paid forty-two million dollars. That's in uh, age thirty-two season. So good luck with that if you're the Washington Wizards. But w- what did you think about that sort of trade and that sort of thinking? I guess for all three of those franchises, I guess particularly Washington and, and New Orleans. I think in a, in terms of a, a, a you know a thorough fake trade, I see the logic. Um, but the word logic has never applied in the 15 years of the Ernie Grunfeld era in Washington. Right? The one person in the Wizards locker room last year, 1718, uh, who was really speaking the truth and trying to call it out, was Marching Gortat. Well, well, we see what happened to Gortat. He was traded in the offseason. Right? He was the, the scapegoat for, for what was going on in the locker room. Now, who was he traded for, Daz? Austin Rivers. What was the news today? Austin Rivers and the, for me, the inarguably the most valuable player on this team, both in terms of trade asset and his fit in the NBA, Bradley Beal. Well, Austin Rivers and Bradley Beal got into a an extended verbal altercation, and so let's just restate that: the one voice of reason shipped away for nepotistic child Austin Rivers who is now, after 18 games, inserting himself into a conversation, a fractured relationship between Ball and Beal, which has been going on for two years, and he now, too, is in combat with Bradley Beal. Also stated at the same time that, quote, Washington is open to listening to trades on pretty much anyone right now after their last, their latest drubbing by, I don't even forget who they lost to. They lose to everybody uh, these days. Home. They, they lost to Brooklyn and Portland at home, back yeah. to back. Brooklyn and Portland, there you go. You know, so they were down in the Portland game 32 to 12 after six minutes or, or seven minutes or something. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, and then they slept walk the rest of the game. Shame that Ernie Grunfeld came out and said, well, they'd prefer to trade um, Otto Porter or Kelly Oubre. Um, Kay Oubre, he who probably has the, you know, makes, for me, makes Andrew Wiggins look like an MA champion. And Otto Porter, who he's, what, earning $29 million a year? to be half as good as Chris Middleton. I go, good luck with that, Ernie. So this is what we all thought beginning of the season. Oh, and by the way, when Dwight Howard is your your, your calmest voice of reason, you know, that, that tells you where your franchise is at. This will end spectacularly. Washington is the most irrelevant conversation in terms of uh, playoffs or talent or asset base. None of those questions matter. This is a team who will go in a ball of flames. It's just a matter of how quickly. That Will it be a burn the house to the ground with Ernie Grunfeld, which should be done, or is it going to be one of these pathetic, you know, try to offload one asset here, one asset there, retool, 
convince yourself that Dwight Howard is good, and three years from now, you've got a just as you hinted, you got a hundred and eight million or hundred and ten million dollars going going to three players who hate each other. I go, what, pick me a scenario that pick me one. Burn the house to the ground, or 110 million dollars a year for three players who are all overpaid and hate each other. That seems to be the two plausible paths right now, Daz. So well, I, I mean, but what, consider that trade what, for a second, and, and let's say that, that that trade's offered. What would you prefer? Move forward with the well, John Moore, or take a chance on Fultz, get a couple of draft picks. That's assuming these teams are willing to take them on. Look, I'd say put if you eliminated Philadelphia from that conversation. I go a Miritich plus a pick for John Wall or in something in that realm, that might make sense for me. But Des, literally since the last time we spoke uh, 48 hours ago, Markel Fultz's value has dropped even further. Watch yourself the seven minutes he played against Phoenix today and tell me that's a, that is a sad lost child who is now also in a verbal um, public, uh, public dispute with famed and renowned shooting coach, right, who worked with the likes of Dirk Nowitzki and, and Kawhi Leonard and so forth, right? I forget, Drew, um, Drew, Drew Hanlon. Hanlon. I forget, mm. uh, Drew Hanlon, right? Drew Hanlon having to come out and pr- protect his own relationship. That's where he's at with your personal handler, your personal hand-picked world's best shooting coach, and you are now in a fight. That is a – this is a poor, poor young kid who um, – I, I don't know what the – this is, a again, a team of psychologists, a – a holiday in the Cayman Islands for six months. I don't know what it is, but the answer for his ills isn't playing more NBA basketball under the spotlight with supreme alphas and Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid. So well, we, we said has that no last year. We said He's that last no year. Value. So I don't know what Philadelphia do at the moment um, with him. I, I, I still think there's a I team out there, that'll, and, and Washington certainly are dumb enough to to do it and desperate enough. To, to talk themselves Look, into you it. Could, you could convince me Fultz, Fultz Ubre is more the category of trade that, that you could I could conceive of, but then obviously Fultz playing under... Yeah, the, but Ubre is an asset. I mean, John Wall, for, for, if, if I'm Washington, I'm, I'm viewing John Wall as a negative asset at the moment. I'm not necessarily... I still think there's hope for Ubre. Well, Who's going to develop in that atmosphere in Washington at the moment? moment? That's why I'm saying burn the house as I go. There's no. I actually don't believe it's a valuable, fruitful conversation to contemplate what trades Washington can meet because it's not going to be meaningful. If Ernie Grunfeld has stated he'd rather trade Ubre and Porter, and I go, okay. Well, no, she he would. But who's, who's going to be interested in them? That's exact. That's my point. So I go. This isn't. This is. Uh, let's let's stand back. Let's. We've all got our tickets to the train wreck. It is happening as as we um, as we all anticipated it would, and it's it will have to. I don't know what the Ted Leonsis ownership situation is, but it is it is unfathomable. It's unfathomable how this is probably second only to Tom Thibodeau's in, in terms of an egregious um, owner who has just lost control of his team. So um, look, I, I hear you. I like this Miritich. Um, idea because of, I guess, a bit of the Julius Randle emergence as the bowling ball. I don't love losing spacing for AD. I love AD at the five with Miritich, so I'm I'm not sure that wa- uh, New Orleans gets better by losing shooting um, from Miritich and getting a ball-dominant player like, like John Wall. Oh, they may not. Is he a talent upgrade? Not. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if, I was a, for if sure. you had asked me yeah. if they better, are they better or worse bringing John Wall in, probably worse, but th- they are possibly much better as well. I mean, if John Wall does remember how to play basketball again and actually develop a work ethic again on the court, um, he, he does have some upside there, obviously. Um, and more so, I think, than, than Miritich. But again, the downside risk of Wall is uh, quite a bit at the moment. So I think what New Orleans has to do is, you're right, I think their ceiling is probably second round. But they've, they've built a bit of a winning culture, Daz, right? We've all sort of applauded what, what Gentry's been able to do in playing at pace. And, you know, AD is playing fantastic basketball and his elbows back. If I'm, if I'm Dell Dance, I'd be looking more at... Let's see what happens when Peyton gets back. Etwan Moore has been freaking lights out, Daz. I have no idea if that's sustainable. I suspect it's not, but you just you don't know. Maybe the light bulb goes on for Etwan in the same way it does for, for say, say, a Tyree last year. But I'd rather be dangling a, a lower a pick or a protected pick or a minute or more smaller asset and go get yourself a player like Manu Bielitsa, who is, is starting to get in the crosshairs of that front office schism of, you know, Mike Malone really getting this team playing really well and a really balanced basketball team. But now murmurings that the front office, um, the GM in particular, I forget what his name is, is um, really trying to back Marvin Bagley getting playing time. So that for me, Daz, would be more like a, a better once Miritich can sit, right? Because Miritich gets banged up. He can only play 30 minutes a game. If you had a Bielitsa there to, for the continuity um, for AD, that's the sort of trade I'm imagining for a. That would make a lot of sense. For oh, I just think they need another star, and and whether John Wall is that star anymore yeah, is a maybe. question. But they're not going to get it for agency. You need to try and pull off a trade, and if you can resurrect John Wall, uh, and and who knows, going to a contender, going with another superstar like Anthony Davis, maybe that wakes him up from the slump. Hey. Look, you've just triggered a thought for me. Look, maybe the point is if you're going to give up a Miritich, is if you can, dare I say, get a get a Mark Keith Morris back in that sort of trade. You know, get yourself a four who can shoot a little bit that would allow you to keep AD um, at the five. That for me is the biggest issue because mm. when you've got Randall and AD, that's a that's a clunkier it's a clunkier fit. They they've been staggered quite a bit this year, but they have they've. So AD has to play such a different style with Miritich on the floor than with, with Randall, which isn't bad um, per se, but I just, I'd just i hate for you to lose that shooting. They have, they're so perilously thin from what their outside shooting does. That, so maybe someday if they can throw a, a Markeith in there, now maybe you've got my attention. Um, mm. But again, that really but also that, depends that, about... That bumps the salaries yeah. up and that makes it much, the salaries more are difficult and, yeah. uh, from, from that yeah. point of view, unless unless they were to take on a Solomon Hill or something like that, but I'm not sure why That's right. yeah. would do that, uh, and, unless you're then throwing in a couple of first-round picks and then it gets a bit too steep, the price, I think. But it does show how difficult it is, doesn't it, to, to build the sort of roster-building questions and how, you know... you. Yes, I mean, in a vacuum, it's nice to think, well, John Wall comes in, he's a star, we lose Miritich, but Miritich is so important to the spacing and to the way they want to play. Um, That's a massive loss as well. So uh, there's a lot of questions, and there's no way they're giving up Drew Holiday. So, you know, there's some some big questions still to be answered there. And with that Supermax going to be looming over, 
Anthony Davis this off-season, um, they don't want to see themselves in the position that San Antonio and other teams have been in. And, of course, Minnesota, you know, where a guy just hands it a trade request before the season even starts. And, um, and, and this franchise is in a really bad state if Anthony Davis hands in um, a trade request. Uh, at the start well, of the season. they are and they aren't. I mean, they are, but he's, again, I, it's, they will be seriously confronted with, you know, a Boston trade package. I mean, I, I, it's hard, given right, this was the, this is the summer where all these, we so many free agents this upcoming summer, um, and, uh, and who knows what's, what's going to happen with Kawhi in Toronto, but, Right. Danny Ainge is hunting for whales, right? And that's just, I, I think that's going to be, a, they all signs point towards um, AD being open to be shopped. And they, we've talked about this before, is you you have to entertain it. You, you really do. Hmm. And the NBA is increasingly more, go go team up with the, you know, with the super team. So again, as we've, I don't want to start speculating those types of packages, but there'd be plenty of things to keep them, you know, keep them competitive plus, you know, add add a bunch of future assets to have more bites at the apple. So, um, well, I mean, yeah, the only I, thing I I'd say too is, you, 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 there must be a temptation to in your loans to say, you know what, let's ru- let's keep this team together this season. Yeah, see what happens when Payton gets back. There's signs of of stress again in Golden State. We'll get to them in a second. Oh, I don't think they're the lay down Mazzia, even though they're still no doubt the favourites in the Western Conference. I think they probably think, you know what. If everything breaks right for us, we're probably the second best team. And if we get a bit of injury luck against Golden State, or you know they completely implode, um, maybe we can sneak into the NBA Finals this year. They've certainly got the talent. I think, I think they're in the conversation for those teams that are that rung below in the Western Conference, depending on how things work out in Houston. You know whether Utah can get going, um, OKC burn up and down as well. So there's a lot of warts on some of these teams. I mean, you know we're not even talking there about the two, the three top teams in the Western Conference at the moment, who are the Clippers, Grizzlies, and uh, Portland. So it's it's wide open yeah. in the Western Conference below that that sort of Golden State level um, for them. So they might be looking at it and thinking, you know what, we don't need to necessarily make a move this year. Let's see how far we can go with this roster and then make some decisions then. Um, we might move on, though, Daz, from that to the Golden State situation. My quick take on it, obviously, we're talking about the, the Draymond Green, uh, Kevin Durant blow-up in LA. I didn't make too much of it. I, I, I think it's all a big, bit of a storm in a teacup. In terms of the actual play itself, I was very much on Draymond Green's side. I thought what Kevin Durant did was ridiculous, and I'm not sure why... Golden State and others. I understand that Draymond Green said a number of things in the locker room and on the sidelines that was that was considered out of bounds. But in terms of the what what Kevin Durant did on the court, he didn't even get past half court and was just sitting there gesticulating with his hands saying, "Pass me the ball." It's like, well, maybe if you actually run with Draymond and go up and and go onto the wing, you might have gotten the ball. So I don't know if you saw it the same way, but I had a little bit of sympathy. For Draymond, obviously the play didn't work out well for Draymond. He turned it over and ended up losing in overtime. But I thought it was a massive overreaction in the in the first instance from Kevin Durant, who was bitching at the officials, surprise, surprise, all game in the first place. And then afterwards, I thought it was a massive overreaction from Golden State against him, albeit that we don't know exactly. We're only sort of getting tidbits 
of what what was said uh, behind the scenes. But what did you make of it? I mean, do you is this another Shaq Kobe situation brewing here, um, or do you think this is just going to be a little blip on the radar coming uh, in? If season? we just if we just believe the our eye test and and what we've you know heard reported, you know from from all those people who cover Golden State, right? This this would be I don't know the 17th to 30th time Draymond Green has done, you know, something volatile and had a, you know, and sparked a bit of a controversy or, you know, called, called someone out or, you know, saw someone's weakness and exposed it. Right? This is, this is what Draymond does, right? This is, this is who he is. This is how he acts, right? In terms of his, his tirade in, in reaction to it. Right, let's come back to the suspension. For me, is perhaps the most interesting part of this is Golden State suspending Draymond, right, for a full game and a game check of $180,000 or something like that, Daz. Mm. Let's come back to that. But in terms of the on, on the court, this was a rare case where I think they're both right. Draymond is exactly right. Steve Kerr never calls timeouts in this situation, as we all know, right? Um, he's a let the players play, don't let the defense set – is go take advantage of the chaos with, with you know, f- still three of the best you know, 20 players on the planet right now, and so Draymond, it was a, I think it was a grab and go, wasn't it? He got the rebound. Yeah, he just got the rebound. He took off. He got the rebound. And took off. And KD go, basically stood at the foul line, clapping his hands and waving his arms in there, right. saying, "Give me the ball." So I go, I'm Draymond Green. I've done that a hundred times, right? You grab it, Draymond, one of the headiest players. Right in in the league, one of the headiest players. He knows exactly the situation, right? And goes down and he fumbles the ball, right? And it was, I know, I can see it from Draymond's point. I've been doing this forever. This is who we are. This is how we play. I'm going to go down and draw the defense and draw draw some attention and either get fouled or I'm going to hit. I'm going to make one pass and hit the most open man and I'm going to set someone up. Well, that, the thinking would have been you've got Clay on one wing, you've got KD on the other. Now, when he, once he realizes Hell, whomever, KD, Quinn, well, that's it. But once Quinn he realizes McKinney, KD's yeah. back at the other foul line bitching, he now he's now going through his head, going, "Well, I don't have KD on the other wing," and and I think that maybe confused him a bit, where he thought maybe I'm just going to have to go on my own here, and that's why he sort of barreled into the lane. Whereas I think normally he might have held it up a bit and seen what his options were. Maybe, but you're yeah. playing four on five now because you got this cupcake at the other end sitting there bitching. So this is a he was so I go, Draymond. I thought made the right decision, but then just messed up the basketball play. Yeah, he, he just, fucked up he the messed play. It up. Yep. I'm also kind of I'm Kevin Durant, right? I'm the guy who dribbled down and drools the 30-footer in LeBron's face in game six, right? He goes, so, you know what? If I'm Kevin Durant, one of the greatest shot makers almost ever, you can see his point, right? He's like, hey, guy who shoots 28%, how about give it to the seven-footer who can pull up from anywhere and, and, a good, and get a good look, right? So I think in Kevin's mind, it's, come on, come on, Dre. You know, can, we, can you think objectively for a second? So I go. I actually think that they were both right, Kevin. To go, come on, man, sixes. Give me the. Come on, like seriously, 
like so I, I rarely right rarely ever back Kevin Durant but I go I think it's fine clap you know give me the fucking ball yeah but when he doesn't How give it do you to respond? you get get your ass in that, the gear and get like up said, on the wing there's a sequence of events here right this so I go that initial clap clap give me the ball fair that's fine yeah right didn't happen now fucking run your ass up the court which he did not um, and again this is a, this is classic leverage this is now where all the conversations going this is just the tip of the zit right. This was just this is a re- reflection of the stuff that's under the surface. The basketball stuff doesn't matter. This team still, once Steph is healthy, you know, I I still don't see a credible threat in the West. I don't see it. So the basketball stuff doesn't matter. Draymond's been angry at all kinds of different people before, and Steve Kerr is a you know a bit of a you know he's a bit of a Buddhist. Phil Jackson, I, I don't have any doubt he'll manage through this adversity. I don't really doubt that sort of stuff the big question which i think are now become fair questions is what's this what was the actual content right like you know the best humor has got the humor that's the truth right and the truth hurts here and so draymond going where he did sort of saying you know we've been doing this long before you can got here you know well he called him bitch like apparently like 50 to- 50 times and then some other words which you can only guess because even the players weren't telling reporters what sort of language he was using but clearly Draymond went way over the top and uh, but Draymond was fomented he was completely fueled by by Durant right naturally um, when Durant goes and freaking rips him one for not making the play so um, shame on Durant for 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 doing it like this um, it, for me it, it signals what what I've been saying what I think we both have been saying since the guy joined the 73-win team, is this guy doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know what he wants. He doesn't know what makes him happy. That this, um, the bandwagon he jumped on, even though he's been finals MVP twice and has two rings, this is still Steph's team. He's the, he's the tag-along, right? I think this, for me, is just the, the latest example of him feeling the fact that he is not on the inner circle that Golden State was before he arrived and will continue to be Golden State after when he goes. And I think that's the right that's the real conversation here, isn't it? And Draymond feels it and Kevin feels it and the impending free agency sort of stuff coming up again is all part of it. So um, what's this mean for the basketball product? Probably not a much. What's it mean between those two men? Probably not much. This is just how Draymond rolls. Um, and I think this will only be this might be breadcrumbs, right, Daz, when KD goes and does something else in the offseason. If he leaves, we can look back at this as sort of, hey, this is kind of a defining, perhaps one of the more defining moments that sort of the beginning of the end of the relationship, although that beginning of the end might have been last year by by a lot of reports. But, um, yeah, well, I, I, I don't know Well, I think we're where... seeing more evidence that Durant's the thinner-skinned superstar we've seen in a long, long time, maybe ever. Uh, in the NBA, because this guy just cannot handle even an ounce of criticism, and uh, or any sort of negative negativity around him. So, and and Golden State uh, have tried I, to shield him from that as much as they can. I don't, look, I, may, maybe we're maybe it's just a choice of words there, but I, I think right, the world's been bitching about KD, right? He has to have been hearing it. We well, you know he goes on to Bill Simmons every now and again to find some gratitude, but I think he's actually. He's taken a lot of shit, right? So, um, is he thin-skinned, or is he, and or is he just a guy who, right? Like I said, he's not. This isn't fun. 
This isn't providing satisfaction. This isn't legacy leaving. I always feel like he's a guy trying to follow. He's in LeBron's shadow and trying to follow LeBron's script. And I wonder, I think in KD's mind, did he think he was doing what LeBron did going to Miami? I think that's what he thought he was doing when he joined Golden State, really recognizing how bloody different those situations were. So I just think this is a guy who's, he's just unhappy. He's unfulfilled. He's, he's defensive. He's agitatable. He's doesn't get the accolades. He's just, this is an unsatisfied, very well, dissatisfied. We talked about it before, top. didn't we? I mean, this right. was a guy who thought I'll go there and win a title and all the chatter will stop, you know, and, and that'll solve everything. And it hasn't solved everything. And what I'm, the more and more I read about what's going on yeah. behind the scenes in Golden State is, they have to manage this guy very, very closely and make sure he's always, oh, you know, we, we want you here and we respect you and we value you and all this sort of stuff um, because any sort of criticism internally or externally and this guy just reacts to it. So whether that's whether thin skin's the right word or not, I'm not sure, but certainly he's hyper-sensitive yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to any criticism he um, that he cops. So I think that's something to watch. Look, I'd be shocked if he's back there next year. I'd be shocked if they bring this team back um, next season. I, I think they're vulnerable, um, but I think they're vulnerable to injury more so than they're vulnerable to an implosion. Um, well, the, the interesting what, what, question... For me, the interesting question, I'd be keen where you fit on this, is that right, you, if you're going to pay KD, Max, and that's a, that's a given, right? So they got three guys yeah. on Max deals. What do you do with Draymond? Because you start looking at Draymond and repeater tax, literally looking at, I mean, some numbers, depending on how the other parts of the roster get filled up, as we're looking at in the upwards of $350 million per year. Yeah, well, the, the oh, thing you got to remember about Draymond, yeah. I don't think he'll get a max anywhere else. I don't think there's going to be a massive bidding war for Draymond Green outside of Golden State. Do you think Golden State gives him a, a max? No. I think Golden State think gives so him either. a max if they need to keep him and if they want to keep the team together. But that would mean another team's offering him a max. And I just don't see another team offering him a max. A max contract. Yeah, I, yeah, I tend to agree. They'd be bidding against themselves. That's right. Like, so that's, and this that for is, me is interesting. That's a perfect fit on Golden State. Maybe he's a perfect fit in a couple of other teams in the league, but not not that many because his shooting is is continued to fall off. And yes, he's a great passer. Yes, he's maybe the smartest defender I've ever seen in the basketball court, but that doesn't necessarily fit everything. A lot of other teams in the league. So I'm not yeah. sure who's going to be wanting to pay this guy because there's also have to be question marks. How does his game age? Um, is he going to stay in shape once he gets paid? What's his attitude going to be like? He's been a bit of a locker room problem that's going stay at times. A lot of question marks over Draymond Green. I don't think that the I, I just don't think they're going to have to offer him a max because I don't think he's going to get the offer anywhere else. No, no one's going to have the space. I mean, the teams like who have it might have space like a Philadelphia. I go, he's a terrible fit. In, in that team, um, he'd be a theoretical fit next to say, like a Porzingis in New York, but um, and, and players like a Kyrie Anthony Towns, and maybe even a Jokic, you know, to a lesser extent. If they, move well, out I think Mills, I just, what you may I just see, what you may see, yeah. up, what you may see is okay. um, he'll bet he'll bet on himself for a season, and he'll go, you know what, I'll take a one year, fifteen million, twenty million dollar deal somewhere, 
back myself and then maybe get a three-year deal or something like that. I mean, he's obviously not going to get a five-year deal anyway after that. But maybe that's what you see and he'll just go, I'm going to stick at the yeah, Golden State maybe. If, if you don't give me that max contract. That that would be the more likely scenario to me that he leaves rather than another team gives him a, a full max of the four years. Yeah, I, it's going to be interesting. I, I, it all, look, KD has the leverage here. I don't think KD is back anyway, that, so I think that's a moot point for starters. Um, well, I think so who, raised, who raised the great question? It was the I think it was Ben Golliver who posed the question to, to Andrew Sharp to say, if you're Kevin Durant uh, and Kevin Durant's agent, um, uh, I forget who that is, but w- you go to um, Golden State to you know Steve Kerr, you go to Joe Joe Lacob, etc., and say, hey, look, I'll come back on a two-year deal or one plus one if you trade Draymond, Draymond Green. What do you think they do? I think Draymond they take Kevin. Out of there. Yeah, I do too. Very I think quickly. I think that's what I think that's right. That's what I that's what I, I believe as well. That's kind of the harsh. That might be the the Danny Ainge reality where, man, we saw what they did with Isaiah Thomas, who was only in Boston for five minutes, and just how that sends ripples through the league and right and that that sort of that sort of impact of removing a guy, a cornerstone from a, a successful team. And imagine trading Draymond. Imagine how the fans would react to Cupcake coming back um, and, edging, and basically forcing Draymond out of town. Can you imagine? Uh, you thought DeMar DeRozan was motivated to play <laughs> basketball this year. Can you imagine Draymond Green? And that's why I think this, this fantasy of Draymond going to play with LeBron is perhaps the coolest fake fantasy of imagine KD wins the, the political battle, signs another one plus one. Draymond's so fucking pissed, right? He goes and finds a way to go play for with LA on, on a minimum deal and war and war breaks out. Maybe they get a Kawhi or someone else, right? But a, a war breaks out between LA and LeBron on his final legs and, uh, and golden state. Or I thought that little fake fantasy is, um, it's a non-zero probability, right? But that was uh, that was my most enjoyable, you know, um, sort of fantasy as this unfolds. As was the a Draymond uh, revenge tour. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how it plays out. As I say, I think that at this stage, once Steph come back, I think this will all all settle down a bit. But the, but no doubt, these questions will continue to to be raised as the off season draws nearer um, and other teams sort of start inquiring more and more about Kevin Durant um, once their seasons are over. So, but we might move on, Daz. We're going to uh, sort of have a little bit of time now to just go over a couple of teams and we can do these in quick hits if you like. Just teams, teams or players that have surprised you so far. We're sort of at the one-fifth mark of the NBA season. And most teams are around the sort of 17, 18 game mark at the moment. Um, what's been give me one team let's say start in the east that that has surprised you so far that you look at the standing and think oh i probably didn't expect they would be up uh, where they are at the moment detroit is the first one that jumps out right look they're they're only hovering around 500 but um they've played some pretty interesting basketball Daz, we've seen you know blake sort of found the fountain of youth and he's really kind of settling into his little more perimeter oriented high usage game. It's no more, you know, not a lot of lob sitting going on. 
But um, right, Dwayne Casey had a terrific victory, right, taking um, Detroit into Toronto and winning up there. So, look, this is a team that will probably, you know, their, their ceiling is still, in realistic terms, maybe a five seed, right? If, if everything breaks right, they could sneak into a four, but you'd have to have lots of things go right in teams like Indiana um, and, and even like a Boston sort of kind of slow down. But I've liked what I've seen from Detroit days. I know they've had a not the most terrific you know point differential, but um, yeah, I, I've liked I've liked them. So they're pleasantly well, surprising. And you start thinking about that Blake trade and go, okay, all well, right. Blake's been you know, really good. See. He's he's been probably yeah. you know he's. He, if you're doing all NBA at the moment, he's certainly in that conversation until the round second, third team, I'd suggest. Uh, and Dwayne Casey dropped two beautiful plays at the end of that game uh, after um, the big off-season uh, signing in Toronto, um, who was never been very good in clutch, I can assure you, Daz dribbled the ball off his foot. Uh, so then Detroit got the ball back with about two seconds left, and uh, he drew up two beautiful plays. One was a lob to Siakam, I think it was at the the um, at the rim, and uh, sorry, not to Siakam, to Reggie Bullock. Yeah, it was. And then, no, it was, it oh, was yeah, the oh, first yeah. one was the Reggie of course, Bullock. Yeah, of yeah but Siakam rejected blocked by Siakam. Yeah, right. and then the second one they got it to Reggie Bullock, who put in a little floater. Um, but the big thing. Big takeaway for me that game was Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson really played great defense on Kawhi Leonard um, down on on that end, and he hit two big threes uh, down the stretch in that game. So if if he can continue to show signs of development, that's a real, real positive because that's exactly the type of player you need to compete um, in today's NBA. And they've got the star in in Blake Griffin. Um, Reggie Jackson not playing that well. I actually think, from what I've seen, Ish Smith's playing better than in most games I've seen. And, and Drummond's been a big improver this year. Um, when they sort of said Drummond's out there shooting threes, and look, he hasn't shot the three ball well, to say the least, but he has extended his range out a bit. He's hitting his three throws now. He's killing the boards. Um, you know, he, he looks the part, and they can stay afloat when, when Blake's not out there as well, which is a big part of their game. So they're getting good contributions from a number of players. Um, I think their depth in the end is going to be what, what counts against them um, come the playoff time. But it, it, it's well, they a got good no story. wing. They've got no wing. Stanley Johnson has his moments on defense, but he's he's terrible offensive player. So you, he does well, have his moments. That's what I'm saying. If he can if yeah. he can hit those sort of shots that he hit in that particular game with a bit more regularity, and Reggie Bullock's had a really good year. So that's that. But that's to the extent of their wing depth. I guess when Canard comes back, we'll see if he shows anything in season two. Um, I guess they might be hoping it. there were some similarities between him and Reddick uh, in terms of their. Um, college careers, they might be hoping that he has a similar career to Reddick and just keeps getting better every single year um, yeah. and, and shows them yeah. something. The team I've been surprised by, and I'm not sure if I believe it yet, Daz, but the Orlando Magic are sitting there at 9 and 8, and uh, they had a good, they've had some decent scalps, actually, in terms of the wins that they've had, including one in San Antonio um, that I saw. They beat Philly as well. They've beaten Boston. Um, they've and they're putting up 130 scores. They beat LA. Now, now, the Lakers have only lost a couple of games recently, and Orlando put up 130 against them. It was a blowout. They completely blew the Lakers off the floor. Um, it's it, The defence, I'm not that surprised by that they've been a reasonably good defensive team. And Jonathan Isaac, if you get a chance to look at some of the blocks this guy's doing, Daz, on the defensive end, he is just a much-watched guy on on that defensive end. Mo Bomber's showing some nice signs. Um, and But they're, the, the fact that they're putting up 130 
a game in recent times, and Vucevic is playing out of his skin. Again, I'm not convinced that it's um, that it's sustainable, particularly given their point guard situation. But it's been a very nice start, and I just think in the Eastern Conference, if you can hang around to around that 30-40 game mark, teams are going to start falling away. I think the Nets are going to start falling away at some point. You know they. They own their pick finally for next year. I think they're going to not worry about winning so much in the second half of the year. Miami are going to start asking some questions very soon because they're 6-10. and 10. What do they do? Do they start tanking and looking to go down? And I think the teams below the Heat are just absolute train wrecks. So they might not have a hell of a lot of competition for that 7-8 spot in the Eastern Conference. And we might be looking at Orlando as a playoff team, which... Yeah, it's a bit of a tallest, tallest midget race in the Eastern Conference, but given where that team come from and given the laughing stock they've been, that's a massive upgrade for that franchise. Yeah, I I still can't believe it because Vucevic is playing like freaking Jokic. It's kind of what's happening. He's hitting like some ridiculous you know, 45% from downtown. He's been playing out of his mind. But uh, yeah, look, I, I, I just hope that's good for the franchise. I hope that the well, 37... I think the young guys are showing yeah. something. If it was just some of, the, it was just the veterans. You know, if Jonathan Simmons is out there hitting shots at an unsustainable rate, things like that. Aaron Gordon showed some good signs too last year. I think the worst thing that happened to Gordon last year was he started out really hot from three, if you remember, and then he thought, oh, I'm just a three-point shooter, and that's what he was doing every single game. Whereas there's a little bit more um, variety to his offensive game this year, and he's sort of picking his spots a, little, a lot better, I think. And um, they're just a point guard short. I mean, Augustine's a nice backup, but having him as your, your number one option as a point guard, that's a real problem, obviously, for the team. And maybe they can pick up someone on the buyout market as the season goes on um, and, and try and see if they can upgrade there or maybe there's a trade they can do um, to upgrade that position. Because if they do that, I think they can certainly solidify their spot in the playoffs. And given that the young guys are showing enough, I think it is positive overall for the franchise. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, it's impossible to say that you know you want to build a winning culture and tank at the same time. So they, you know, uh, they're about to enter really tricky waters with you know winning games whilst trying to keep as good a draft pick as they can and build for the future and try and convert this very forward and center heavy roster into something that has you know some passable wings, but. Uh, yeah, nice, nice start for Orlando. Lots of, lots of, lots of room. To, lots of, what's the word I'm looking for? A long distance to go, but um, yeah, they've they're at least given their fans something to cheer for. Yeah, and what about the Western Conference? So, the Western Conference is being just. You look at it, and as I said earlier, we've got Minnesota down there in the 14th spot, and the Trailblazers up in the number one spot. But there is literally only four and a half games separating the entire conference at the moment. And I don't even count the Suns in the conference. I don't think they're an NBA team right right at the moment. So um, They got relegated. So, yeah. <laughs> That's right. So we've got four teams tied for first spot at the moment. The Trailblazers, Grizzlies, Clippers and Warriors. Although the Warriors have lost an extra game. They've also played extra two games. So... Uh, what team has sort of surprised you the most, whether it's positive or negative, as you look at that state standing at the moment in the Western Conference? Well, it's going to be. It's, I'm going to give two answers. It's going to. Be, it's going to cheat, right? It's the. I'll say it's the three teams who are tied for the um this the West at this point, right? 
And I go, if we had put money on Portland, Memphis, let's put Golden State, they're just a, right, a couple percentage points technically behind. So um, if we just say Portland, Memphis, and the L.A. Clippers would be tied for the number one seed, you know, 17 games into the season, right? You'd probably be a billionaire. So I'm going to say that cluster of teams is all surprising for different reasons, right? Portland, who we thought their depth was get, had taken a massive hit, seems to continue to be winning with the likes of N. Stauskas and um, uh, the tall other skinny kid from Gonzaga, Zach Collins, and um, oh, Seth Curry. E, e. Turner, F. Seth Curry. So Stotts is coaching his brains out. I can't believe they're 11-5. and five. Memphis Grizzlies also 11-5 and five, where they keep winning games, and you go, oh, that'll be the last one they win. Oh, that they win another, right? And he's like, oh, okay, they just beat the Nuggets and the 76ers and the Bucks and the Red Hot Kings and the Timberwolves, right? They just, and the, you know, and, and, and the Jazz, and they just, they just keep winning games. And it's just back to the same old, same old Conley and Gasol playing supremely per- perfect basketball and just enough contributions from the Jaron Jacksons, who's really fun. We could talk a long time about the rookie class. So he's been fun and getting lots of opportunity. And so good on the, the Grizz for winning some really tough games on the road and home. And then the Clippers, for me, has been probably the one that stands out above them all. That was the single most, from a Bucks fan perspective, the most frustrating loss of the year. But I now get the sense that every game they win kind of frustrates the hell out of the other team because usually the other team has a bigger, a greater talent base. But the Clippers are just... They, they remind me of Doc Rivers in his playing days. They're just relentless, and they just don't stop. they got a little bit of Miami heat in them nowadays where they go 10 deep. Mm-hmm. They never stop. They're freaking annoying. Montrez Harrell is a fun, fun player who's just kind of like a – remember back when Kenneth Fareed was in the league, you know, the body was just – body everywhere and hairs everywhere and his muscles everywhere and offensive rebounds and you know just doing all the dirty work and just guess uh, just suddenly you wake up and he has another 18 and 8 game so they're just that grinding team that's uh that's winning games and dare i say um giving themselves options in the trade market and getting themselves ready for a busy summer next year so i'm that's the three that i wanted to probably call out as the um at the top of the league and then we've we could we've talked about them a lot already, and up until yesterday we started to hear these reports. But you know, talked a lot about offline that more so than De'Aaron Fox's development, more so than the fact Buddy Heald is diversifying his game, and more so than uh, Nemanja Bjelic's perfect fit, more so than Willie Cauley Stein, kind of you know also developing his game, is the fact what seemed to be happening in, in Sacramento is they had alignment. Right, this roster seems to fit together. They're playing a nice style of basketball. They give up 140 every now and again, right? I think it's their youth and just don't have a lot of that defensive structure to them yet. But they got a really nice starting five, some really clear role players with, you know, um, Bogdanovich and Bagley's been had a really nice game today. Bagley had a great game today. I watched that game. Was he something like 21 points, 13 rebounds, and? Against Steven Adams, and, too. Like it, it's, it was against, against Steve a grown Adams. man. In like 25 minutes, yeah. So, I mean, it's a really neat signs from Sacramento. So, I, got, I might just pause there and go, they have absolutely leapfrogged, you know, the dumpster fires that have become Phoenix Suns and, and, the, and the Cavaliers, pound the over, um, <laughs> smashed it. But 
as we said, now we're perhaps hearing rumblings that maybe the old kings are the old kings where they're worried about playing well, time. Say, back Hardo Duvac has, has said to Dave Yeager that he wants to see the young guys playing a bit more, which I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, why not just ride this? It's just, they don't need to lose just, games this year. They don't own their draft pick. Um, try and get as, as much winning as you can out of this season, surely. It's just... Again, if that's the direction they go, then they'll be right back with Phoenix in terms of the cesspool of incompetence where you get this really nice stretch of 15 games and players finding their feet, the rotation's working. Um, I also read today, I didn't realize this, right? but we all know that you know um, Jaeger wasn't hired by the, the GM's name is escaping me. It's not Vladimir. He's the president's the... I forget the GM's oh, the name, Vic. Daz, but... I, no, he's, he's the, the, owner. the owner. That's right. Yeah, it's the... Um, Scott, not Scott Perry, but someone like that. Is it Scott Perry? No. So anyway, right? Jaeger wasn't hired by the GM, and all the assistant coaches are the sort of the the simmering, you know, the second worst sort of lame duck status when every single assistant coach their contract expires at the end of the season. Does so. There's already some power play going on with the GM and his coaching staff here, and why they would be focused on development. To your point. A year where they they don't even have their draft pick is is mind blowing that you'd you'd halt the development. Um, oh, I so. think you're talking about um, Stojakovic, who's the assistant general manager. But Vlade is the general manager. But the, no, the, um, is this okay? He is, but I did hear. I that thought he hired was um, in was in the news as well. So Vlade is. I did I think? Why did I not think Vlade was the GM? Anyway, it's, it's, it's him doing it's it. It's hard to imagine Vlade running anything, I think. It is, really. I thought, he had, <laughs> I thought he'd done some smart hires and putting some people in there, but yeah, there you go. I'm just misremembering stuff. Should have known. No, they had the guy happening. that ended up going. He was assistant GM, um, the guy that went to the Knicks, but he wasn't there for long, and then he, he went to the Knicks um, and yeah. took the GM job there. So, oh, look, I'll watch them today. They're a fun team to watch. They're, they're right at the top of my league pass rankings at the moment, especially if they're in a competitive game like they were today. They just play so fast, like, and the ball's zipping around. But it's not just – it's not ISO and fast. It's, it's you know, They're playing as a team, to your point, on alignment – and, you know, guys are coming in contributing off the bench. Like, Harry Giles has had some nice moments. Uh, Justin Jackson's looked okay uh, in, in his minutes. Darren Fox, even today, shot the ball terribly, but 13 assists, so found a way to contribute um, and went toe-to-toe with Westbrook. We're sort of jawing at Westbrook towards the end of the game, um, and the crowd were right into it. So it was a it was a really, really good win. And, and Bagley, that was his best game as a pro, so that's a massive... Um, an absolutely massive uh, piece of good news for Sacramento. I don't think, look, they're already showing signs of regression, um, and I think they're going to end up but, you know, in the mid sort of 30 win range, but still, still a hell of a lot better, I think, season. Um, and a lot more positives coming out of the season than what we would have assumed. Yeah. In. Um, yeah. The big takeaway for me is. In the Western Conference, it's going to be so hard to win on the road in the Western Conference. Like, it'll lay to some of these uh, home records at the moment. We've got the Trailblazers 7 and 2 at home, the Grizzlies 7 and 1, the Clippers 7 and 1, the Warriors 8 and 1, the Thunder 6 and 2, Nuggets 7 and 3, Pelicans 8 and 1, the Spurs 6 and 2, and the Mavericks 6 and 2. So, good luck 
winning on the road in the Western yeah. Conference. Like, and that's Blood what's going to separate the men from the boys. And that's the only good bit of, bit of good news, I guess, coming out of the um, the Houston start of the season is they're five and three away from home. So they're the only team in the conference, Daz, believe it or not, or apart from the Jazz, with a winning record. Um, away from home, so and the Jazz have, have only played the six games at home, but they are two and four at home as well. So you'd expect that to change a little bit um, as things go on. Just keep an eye on the Jazz too; they've got a, a run of a lot of away games at the moment, so they're probably going to drop again below that five hundred mark. But their schedule gets a lot easier in the second half of the season, so don't be surprised if we see a similar second half of the season for them um, that we saw this year. Uh, in Utah, yeah. last couple of things. We'll that... need to, yeah. No, I just uh, we'll need to uh, touch on the sophomores at some point because Mitchell's off to a bit of a rough start, as is Tatum and as is Simmons. We've talked about, so I think Mitchell's efficiency has really taken a hit this well, year. Fox has been so, the best of the of the sophomores, I'd argue. Uh, yeah, in a way, he probably has. In, certainly yeah. in terms of improvement. Yeah. I mean, those other guys have regressed a little bit. You'd have to look a bit closely, more closely at the numbers to see who's where you're ranking them still. I wouldn't suggest Fox is ahead of them in terms of um, no, I mean actual play, but I think in terms of where they've gone one season to the next, he's been the bigger story than anyone else uh, to this point. What about, let's have a talk finally, Daz, about a couple of players that have been interesting. Obviously, Kemba Walker's the big one at the moment. He scored 100 points in his last two games. What he's doing at the moment is absolutely ridiculous. And his finishing fire. around the rim is Kyrie. He's actually surpassed, well, I don't know about surpassed Kyrie, certainly on that level of just being able to finish ridiculously around the rim. It's reminding me a little bit of Isaiah Thomas, actually, and the way he did it. But he's shooting unbelievably as well. And he's really, the, the Tony Parker signing has really in, invigorated him in a sense because particularly down the stretch of a lot of these games, he's playing off ball and he's unguardable at the moment when he's playing off balls. They're just running him off, off, off ball screens and he's either getting in and having the open three or he's got an open lane to the basket. Once he gets in the lane, he just finishes every time. Well, what happened is he was playing against Cleveland. He went two for <laughs> yeah, 16. Oh, no. They lost by 24 points and he said, okay, sorry world. And he goes and as he's exploded for 60 and 43 last two nights including was that 13 for 27 from downtown 14 three-point attempts a game good grief but uh yeah so donovan uh, donovan sorry kiba has been an absolute blast and so it'll be fascinating to see if with his his value skyrocketing if this you know how true is this sentiment of you know that is he going to stay a you know a hornet forever and resign there or will uh, if they you know sort of continue to flounder around 500 which i think most of it ex- expect them to do will they will they even will they entertain a trade no i don't think so. at the dead i don't think they have the guts for it either daz but my goodness his value would be is skyrocketing um, yeah it's never he's been, been he's been now, sensational he, he he's is out- a guy that has said consistently he wants to be a horn of the life yeah he's out lillarding dame lillard at the moment it just is it leading the league in NBA? Yeah, leading the league in scoring now after these two explosions. So, uh, yeah, it's well, they're sitting there at eight and eight, and they've got like I think the third best point differential in the 
Eastern Conference. So it was it was good to see them finally win a close game today against Boston. So hopefully they can use it as a bit of a springboard. Um, and obviously for personally, it's been good to see uh, Tony Parker with a little bit of um, gas left in the tank. Yeah, I think it's um, one of the Frenchmen over there is playing basketball. Nick Batum well, seems to have been, been terrible. I don't turned know, into yeah. a human croissant. He is fucking <laughs> fat, slow, and terrible. I Honestly, think you're going to see Miles Bridges will take his minutes, and, and it's all I would, I would hope but so. It's, it's happening more yeah. and more already. He's so. sent a few of these guys out to pasture. I mean, Patrick Patterson. That's the other thing is, is you know, age is catching up. You know, I'm glad we haven't talked about Carmelo. You know, he's lost the age battle. Patrick Patterson's either his body's not the same, but he needs to kind of disappear. Um, Nick Batum is a tragedy, and he's got two more years left on a massive contract as. Mm. So he's going to be very, very hard to move. Oh, impossible. Um, and, and unless you're, impossible. Unless you're throwing an asset in with it. And you just can't do it. So, um, so yeah, what about you? What about you? Other, what are non-DeRozan, non-Yanis players have, um, have stood up to you? Who's, who's, who's sort of caught your eye? Well, I mean, I mentioned Jonathan Isaac earlier. I think he is certainly a guy um, to keep an eye at to keep an eye on when you're watching those Magic games. He had a block on Embiid in, as part of that 21-0 run, which was absolutely magnificent. I mean, and that's and one of many that he's had recently um, for, that, uh, for, for that team. So he's, he's certainly been a guy worth watching. Doncic has been great. I mean, he I thought he started a little bit slow when I was about to question, well, what was the hype around this guy? And then he exploded against the Spurs, and he hasn't looked back since then, actually. And um, Dallas, I'm still not sure where they're going to finish. I still think they'll probably be second last or third last in the West when it all said and done, but they would be very, very happy um, with what they're seeing from Doncic. And I'm impressed with Trey Young. I know Trey Young's been horribly inefficient with his shooting, but his playmaking's for real, Daz, and he can get to wherever he wants on the court, and you can just see him making rookie mistakes at the moment. But what I'm impressed with is he's not falling into bad habits, and they're actually... I, I like what Lloyd Pierce is doing, actually, with that team. They've been in, in a lot of games so far this year, despite... And they're not like Cleveland getting blown out every single night, but they're in a lot of those games, and they're just getting their chops. And, and Vince Carter's been a nice veteran presence there at different times, so has Jeremy Lin. They just keep them competitive in games, and, and I think they're learning some good habits there in Atlanta. So I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing there um, from them. Oh. I'm going to give you one under-the-radar name, and, it's, and it may be the last time we ever say it on this pod because you'll probably be hurt, but Danilo Gallinari has been playing really good basketball, <laughs> Daz. He has. Have you, I know, it's, again, it's Clippers again, the most annoying well, loss. Well, the Clippers beat the Spurs in another just in the most annoying manner. Of, uh, it's annoying, aren't they? They're freaking annoying. But, I mean, the so thing like, is, and Doc, just to quickly on that, because they played Atlanta yeah. today, and Atlanta had them on toast for quite a bit of the game. And then Doc just pulls Boban off the bench, who hadn't even been playing the last few games. Yeah, and what did he and do? And Boban goes off 12 points, 8 rebounds, a couple of no blocks way. in, you know, 15 minutes, and turns the game just around. Just crazy. So that's, that's, cr- that's how see, that's, they are. That's coaching right there. See, that's what I mean. Yeah, Gallo didn't even play today. So like it was a back-to-back-to-back days. Mm. Um, in in three days, they beat the Bucks, the Warriors, the Spurs, and, and the Spurs, and back-to-back-to-back. Yeah, and then they've kept off their um, started off this road trip. You know, wallop not walloping, but exact same score actually. Brooklyn and Atlanta, so not exactly 
Murderers Row, but TCB, man, taking care of business. So. Well, Gallo's always Gallinari. been a good player. I've always liked Gallo's game, but he just can't stay on the court. But oh, this season, you know. touch wood, he, he is staying on the court. And, and Tobias Harris has been playing really well. He um, is. Lou he Williams is. has been hot and cold, but um, you know, that's, he, Lou. He, that's, that's Lou. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, uh, Gildress Alexander, he looks like the real deal, Daz. Man, he's got, he made he a lot of He had some big buckets. shots against the Spurs and the Bucks. And the Bucks, yeah, he played in crunch time, Daz. He was in their crunch time lineup. Mm. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, so I just shout out to Gallo. He's had a really nice season. Played, believe it or not, some competent stay-at-home defense against the Bucks. He's obviously still a at early goings, but forty plus percent from from downtown so far. Um, so hopefully he can play. God, if he played 60, 65 games, that'd be a, that'd be a boon for them. So good on Gallo there. Um, well, nice start. Okay, Daz, last question. Question without notice, last point of the night. What do you make of the nickname for Brook Lopez, Splash Mountain? That's terrific. <laughs> and certainly better than Brook Nowitzki, which was going around. <laughs> you know, it's just a little bit, you know, too, not quite nicknamey enough. So Splash Mountain is freaking terrific, right? It's a little playoff, you know, the Splash Brothers, and he is an obsessive, right? I, I don't know if you know this, but he's an obsessive disney fan right and so you know splash mountain obviously the ride at disney freaking loves it and and he's embraced it and the players are calling it and i go this of course was given to him after the was it the eight three-pointer game he had six triples in the third quarter against somebody he went six for seven from downtown in one quarter including two definitely at steph curry range behind the hash yeah, it's behind the hash. Well, he hit one today. Like, he was. I don't know if you've seen today's game. He was only two of seven yet. today, but That's he hits. Next, yeah. He hits a game that basically was the the icing on the ice shot um, from twenty seven feet, and then he's got this little these little celebration he does like he's smoking a cigar or something <laughs> as he goes down. I I have heard. I gotta. I'll, I'll give you the rec- I'll give you the story about the the little. Yeah, I think it's he's smoking, right? I think that's I think that's what he is. He's, smoking, he smokes yeah. it, and smokes it, and puts it out. You know, it's just, it's so stupid. It's funny, yeah. So, but how uh, do you defend it? There's, you cannot like you looked at it today and thought, what could Denver do there? Are you really going to defend well, the there's, there's no mystery feet from the basket? I forgot. It's there's no mystery, right? He has played a huge role in the fact that there's just Giannis just gets to go wherever he wants in the court. You want to defend Giannis one on one? Good luck. Right, he's just gonna dunk on your face, and so it has been. Yeah, don't get me started. Brook Splash Mountain is a terrific nickname. He's having a great start to a season. He shoots. He shoots like a set shot, Daz, from thirty feet. He's gonna just little hop. Just kind of flicks his wrist, Daz, like it's a like a Nerf hoop. You know, I guess when you're that big, it would feel like a little flick. But it is just a crowd. Well, that's favorite. what they're saying now. If your yeah. mechanics are the same. You may as well shoot from out there, you know, like because yeah. you're either shooting near the three-point line with a hand in your face, or you're shooting an open shot three yeah. feet further back. And more and more players are just taking those shots that that can hit them. We've seen LeBron do it. We've seen Brook Lopez do it. Obviously, Steph's done it for a number of years now. Um, and I've even seen Trey Young doing it. Trey Young looks looks more comfortable shooting from out there than he does when he does it near the three point yeah. line at the moment. So um, I think it, it's a trend you're going to see more and more. But just quickly on Milwaukee, they won that game on defense today. They were 
they were they, they're starting games terribly for whatever reason recently, um, and and continually digging themselves holes. You'd hope that that stops. But today they really ramped up the defence in the second half, kept Denver the 42 points in the second half total and, and ended up winning it, I thought, fairly comfortably after yeah, being uh, behind by about 17, I think, early on in that game. I can't wait to. I've only watched the first quarter before we hopped in, so I'm going to see it. But um, I tell you what, the the other player, sort of my gallo, before he even started with Splash Mountain, in my gallo um, category of under-the-radar players, Eric Bledsoe. If you ever double-click and see what he's doing, he has been... He has been um, peak pinnacle Eric Bledsoe on defensive end. On the offensive end, he's playing much more controlled. He's shooting almost 37% from deep. He's getting to the hoop at will, Daz, and it's just he is playing. Well, he still looks like Eric the Bledsoe, Bledsoe that was in Phoenix when they made that this run. Is the this, this is it. This is it. He's just yeah. attacking. And Daz, they're throwing alley-oops, right? He's six foot one. So when you watch him sky on alley-oops, and he's just done... He is just thriving in this system. So well, he throws why... one today to Giannis that has to be seen to be believed <laughs> in crunch time, <laughs> mind you. Oh, right, okay, good. Uh, down the stretch of that game. That. So you'll you'll have yeah. fun watching the last quarter, I'm sure, Daz, um, yeah. of Denver Milwaukee. So I'll let you go and catch up with that now, mate, and hopefully we'll, we'll talk again uh, next week. We'll try and um, hit, hit every week now uh, leading up until Christmas because uh, there's some good games. There's some really good games on um, the day before Thanksgiving in, in the States um, coming up on, uh, what would that be, Friday or Thursday our time um, this week. So uh, particularly one does, if you like old school basketball, the Grizzlies at the Spurs, that should be one that really set the time off. Who doesn't love a good 87-84 game, Des? <laughs> Look, I think we've got, you know, choo-choo potential tomorrow with aforementioned um, irresistible force L.A. Clippers playing at the crumbling Washington Wizards. That will be a fascination and then a massive slate of games the day after, right? With the, had some two terrific battles last year, but Portland and the Bucks go at it again. Denver, Minnesota, um, and um, yeah, I guess we'll see the, the, the ghost of Golden State you know, hosting Oklahoma City. But for me, the most interesting game on the day, uh, on the slate that day is New Orleans at Philadelphia. Going to love myself a good old West-East, you know, style matchup, and that'll be fun to watch. AD. Well, Bucks Golden Blazers first v. first. Yeah, Bucks Blazers and, and Pell's, um, Pell's Sixers at 11 a.m. for us, and then Blazers Bucks at, at midday on Wednesday. So um, And LeBron yeah. returns to Ohio. Oh, that'll be sick. Well, he's done that before. Yeah, that's the other thing. Check, oh, how do we even not talk about LeBron? Just check out what he's been doing. Oh, he's got 51, so yeah, what? He's, he's, this is what I don't deci- get. Well, he's, decide, he's just decided to shoot 40% from three. This yeah, year. but Jamal just... Murray shoots a three to get 50 points, and everyone gets the shits. LeBron did the exact same thing against Miami, and everyone just went, oh, yeah, well, he can do it. Yeah, but at least he made it. (laughs) Murray missed it. Murray missed it. I I bet I bet you a leg he doesn't shoot that shot if Jamal Murray hadn't done it, you know, a week week ago. I bet, you know, he's not silly. He has precedent, so... um, he can literally do whatever he wants. So he gets um, that shot. In yeah, the we corner. didn't. Even... He's basically in the corner of the half, and he just—that's his spot now, LeBron. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So, um, yeah. Look, we didn't even talk about him. We talked a lot about him in the first week of the season. Just entertainment value off the charts, and now they—they're hitting some. 
you know, when LeBron's amping it up and scoring 44 and 51, you know, that something's going on where he's decided that maybe his patience level is oh, running I said a bit you, short already. I think, yeah, yeah, I think he's going to play in spurts, and I think that team's going to play in spurts this year, and we said that at the start of the season. That, I that's think that's probably fair. Yeah. That's why I was so impressed Orlando beat them the way they did, because they were on one of those runs, and Orlando just absolutely blew them out um, at home. So... Uh, but yeah, they, they don't. Yeah. Well, they don't play a lick of defense. The Lakers still, even no, when they, even when they're no. winning. So that that played, I think, into Orlando's hands on that night. So we'll see, Daz. I'll, I'll certainly be really looking forward to Thursday's games, um, and we'll, we'll probably touch base again next Monday or Tuesday of next week and, and see where we're at then. No doubt the, the the landscape will have changed again in that time. Happy trails, Daz. Good luck to the to the Spurs and all that's going on in, in LOR Hawks Well, land. 48 days, Daz. That's all we say in San Antonio these days. 48 days. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Fair man. enough. All right. We'll talk again See you, soon. buddy. Cheers, mate.